doesn't get impatient with us often, but I wonder how many of us, if we just chose what we know to be God's way instead of our own way, how much suffering we wouldn't experience. Not that God's way is always easy. I mean, as I've said many times, the problem with walking by faith is that you got to walk by faith. You got to believe that God can do things that we can't see. Faith isn't easy. It's just not, because you have to believe that something's going to happen that you can't fathom. You can't see the next step, and you have to wait and trust. Pastor Daniel will be starting a series in the book of Deuteronomy today, reminding you of a time when Israel had to have deep faith in their creator, their rescuer. They needed to remember what he had done in the past as they believed he would fulfill what he promised. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1 as he begins his message. Let's back up. All right, let's open up in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 1 as we begin a brand new series in the book of Deuteronomy. We want you to read along. If you have a mobile device, feel free to open up your favorite browser. Just type in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and you'll be able to read along that way as well. If you're part of our online audience, just open up another browser window. Type in Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're calling this series Refresh, and we're calling it Refresh for a reason, and that's the book of Deuteronomy Even the word Deuteronomy, it's not a word that we would use normally. It's literally two words in the Greek that are slammed together. It's the word uh, deutero, which actually means second, like a duet. And then namos, or we have deuteronomy, namos is law in the Greek. And so really what is it? It's a second telling of the law. And so in context, and we're going to see this, is that Moses realizes that his time is done. They're on the border of the promised land. Moses knows he's not supposed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. So before he goes home to be with the Lord, he says, I'm going to give you a refresher course on everything that I've told you over the last 40 years. And literally, Deuteronomy is a recapitulation of everything that we've seen already from the book of Exodus through Leviticus and Numbers. We go over it all again. Now you might say, why? Right, like really? And you have to remember that repetition is the greatest teacher. That's how we learn things. We learn it by repetition. And as you learn something over and over and over again, at some point it gets in. I can think about anything that I've ever learned. It takes time. Like I've heard it said that if you spend 10,000 hours at anything, you could become an expert at it. That's a lot of time to commit to something, right? 10,000 hours because over time, continuing to refresh and repeat and recapitulate over and over and over again, 
at some point, it begins to seep in. You think about the things that you know really well. Like maybe you know every statistic of your favorite sports team, right? Now, that might be a waste of brain cells. But you didn't learn that in one second, right? You looked at it every day, and you were passionate about it, and you thought about it. And over time, these things start to seep in. Maybe in your vocation, you began with an orientation, and then you did an orientation, and then you did more training and more training, and then you have on-the-job training, and then after a while, things happen second nature, right? With your understanding of the Bible. One of the reasons people don't understand the Bible is they don't keep showing up at the word of God over and over and over again. They figure, I got to get it the first time around. But no, with repeated times in the word, repeatedly going through books. People ask me all the time, like, oh, it must be boring to read the Bible on your own. Like, you've taught all these books. I'm like, man, I read a book devotionally. I can't believe I taught it. I'm like, what did I say to people? I didn't even realize this is amazing because God's word is living and powerful. And Moses is saying, listen, I've already explained this to you, but I'm going to tell you again. And how often do we need refresher courses in our own life? I mean, I feel like my job as a pastor is not to tell you something you don't know, but to remind you of things you already know. Because if you love Jesus and if you're born again, the spirit of God dwells in you, which means he who authored all of the books of the Bible indwells your heart. And part of my job is to simply read the word, explain it, and the spirit within you says, yes, that is my heart, that is my word. But we need refresher courses. And so the book of Deuteronomy begins by making everybody back up again. So really, for the first number of chapters, we're literally going to see a retelling of the story again. Now, if you were studying the book of Numbers, we keep going back, right? We keep looking back. We keep looking back. And again, the book of Deuteronomy begins with a looking back and going over a number of things that we've seen many times. Why? You have to realize that when the book of Deuteronomy was written, it was its own scroll. So like we experience Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then the rest of the Bible all in one book. But you realize that that's only been the case since the advent of the printing press. Before then, he didn't have bound books with all the documents. And so there was a scroll of Genesis, and then there was a scroll of Exodus, and there was a scroll of Leviticus, and there was a scroll of Numbers, and there was a scroll of Deuteronomy. So it's not like you get dropped in and you're expected to understand everything before. The document is meant to stand alone. We have the pleasure of having it compiled together. So They start by reminding us, having us look back at some of the things that have already gone on. So look at what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness in the plain opposite Suf between Paran, Aphthel, Leban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab, it was, it is 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now it came to pass in the 40th year, on the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them after he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwell in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtaroth 
in Endrei. So notice again, and we've seen this, if you've been studying with us over the last, I don't know, three and a half years when we started Genesis, we keep seeing this, that these are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel. And Moses was eminently qualified to speak as a mouthpiece for God because he was God's appointed lawgiver for Israel. He was the mediator that God chose to speak to the children of Israel. In a lot of ways, he was the spokesman or the mouthpiece for God in the founding of Israel's religion, their covenant at Sinai. He was Israel proper's first prophet in that way. And in Moses, as we get farther on in the book of Deuteronomy, is going to say, God's going to raise up another prophet like me and him who you're going to listen to as he foretells the coming of Jesus. Now, we get the geographical reference as well that they are on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness. And so we ended the book of Numbers where they are on the east side of the Jordan River. They are not yet in the promised land proper. And we find out in verse 2 that it was an 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. So Mount Horeb is an interchangeable word for Mount Sinai, which is where the law was given. And what we find is that what should have taken 11 days between Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, it took them 40 years. And my friends, that is what happens when we do not follow God. Something that should take no time takes a lifetime. And each one of us has to come to terms with the fact that in our own decisions, we have made things take a long time that maybe shouldn't take a long time because of our disobedience. See, an entire generation perished in the wilderness of what should have been an 11-day journey. They should have left Egypt and they should have been in the promised land in two weeks. But the reason they didn't is because they didn't believe that the way of God was the right way. They chose to say, my way is better than God's way. Now, don't we always do that? See, God doesn't make our decisions for us. God says, this is the way, walk in it. And we say, yeah, no. I got my own ideas about how this is going to go. And we prolong the process. Now, God knows that we're going to do this, and God doesn't get impatient with us often. But I wonder how many of us, if we just chose what we know to be God's way instead of our own way, how much suffering we wouldn't experience. Not that God's way is always easy. I mean, as I've said many times, the problem with walking by faith is that you got to walk by faith. you got to believe that God can do things that we can't see. But the children of Israel chose their own path. And what could have taken them two weeks took them 40 years. And you got to ask yourself, God, is there anything that should have taken me a short amount of time that I'm still trying to understand because of my own disobedience? Listen, don't shoot the messenger. But you got to ask yourself those questions. Is there things that God wants to do and has been wanting to do, but because of my Rebellion is taking way longer. Now, we find out it's in the 40th year. 
right? Verse three. In the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel, all that the Lord had commanded him, his commandments. And then we have after the defeats of Sihon and Og, we're going to see those again in chapter two and three. Now look at what he says in verse five. It says, on this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain the law, saying, the Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of Canaan and to Lebanon, as far as the great river the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. And so this begins what will be the first of many speeches or addresses that Moses give. This first one begins here and will run all the way through the end of chapter four. And it functions as a type of historical prologue. They're looking back. Remember this happened and this happened. And what I love about this passage here is Moses says that the Lord God spoke and says, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. So really what you have in verse six, you have God's command that you've been here at Mount Sinai long enough. I've done everything I want to do in your life here, and now it's time for you to get going. And I wonder how many of us God is saying that to right now. God is saying, you've been in this place long enough. Now it's time for you to take those next steps. The reason I say that is because this verse, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6, I'll never forget when I was 24 years old. I had been an assistant pastor, my pastor. I remember God was stirring in my heart. It was time for me to plant a church. And I had been writing in my journal, you know, mission statements and what God wanted to do. And I knew that I was supposed to be going. And I remember I said to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I don't want this to be me. I'm young. I'm 24. I mean, what does a 24-year-old know? You know what I mean? And I say that now, I'm 39. I'm like, what does a 39-year-old know about anything? You know, but that's how it goes. And I remember saying, Lord, if this is you, I need you to talk to my pastor, John Henry, and he needs to speak to me. And I'll never forget it. That was like on a Tuesday. And on Friday, my pastor and I sat down. We had some Chinese food, you know. So great things happen over Chinese food, let me tell you. So we're sitting there. I'm eating my wonton soup. And he's like, so, Daniel, I love you as my assistant pastor. I mean, we could serve together forever. I'm like, amen, bro. We were having so much fun. He's like, but you know, I think it's time. You, do you want me to find a church for you to take over? Do you want to go plant a church? What do you want to do? And I literally like almost choked on my wonton. You know what I mean? I'm just like, and I was just like, well, so, okay. So when I told him the whole story, I'm like, and I, I just told the Lord, I don't want, I'm not going to bring this up. You have to bring it up. And so I believe I'm supposed to move. I was living in California. I'm supposed to move back to New Jersey and plant a church. I believe that. And he's like, well, tell me what God's given you. I gave him all the stuff. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm like, I want you to just pray. Tell me if I'm at, like, if I ate too many wontons or whatever, you know, like too much MSG or whatever. I was getting in my brain. And so, and so sure enough, he's like, well, let me pray. And sure enough, so he started praying and we didn't talk about it for about a week. And then he walked in my office and he comes in. He's like, God spoke to me for you. And he quoted me Deuteronomy chapter one, verse six. He said, God, he's like, I was reading Deuteronomy. I just opened it up. And when I read, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain, turn and take your journey. And he's like, and when I read that, God said, that's for Daniel. 
And he's like, so I think we're supposed to send you to New Jersey to plant a church. And so every time I read this, I get kind of like that feeling because sometimes God will apply his word to your life uniquely. And I had the sense as I was praying about this message that for some of you, you've been at that mountain for too long. And God wants to do something new. But you need to get up and go. You need to stop being where you are and you need to take the steps that God leads you to. Because God doesn't say, look, you've been here too long, just wander. It's not what he says. He says, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, the south and on the seacoast, to the land of Canaan, to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. He's saying, look, it's time for you to go to the promised land. It's time for you to step into the inheritance that God has for you. It's time. It's time to go. And he reminds them in verse 8, beautifully. See, I set the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He's saying, look, this is the land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac. This is the inheritance that long before you were here, I said was yours. Now you might say, well, so Fusco, what's our promised land? It's all the promises of God's word that God gave to our forefathers. Ask yourself, have you followed Jesus into the promised land? I believe the promised land is a beautiful picture of the abundant life now and eternal life in the hereafter. That we experience as much of God as we can this side of eternity until we experience it in fulfillment on the other side of eternity. See, I don't believe that Christianity is you give up this life so that you can have the next life. You give up a faulty version of this life so that you can have real life. Heaven can touch down in your life and in your world now and you get to step into eternity. You get to maximize both sides of the equation. See, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly. That's not for later, that's for now. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, gentleness, self-control. That's for now. And we get the hereafter. And I believe for the believer, stepping into the hereafter is not a leap into the dark. It's just the next step in the journey. It's the next step in the journey. God had promised this to the people. He's like, now it's time. Now, if you go into verse 9, we get a recapitulation of the appointment of the tribal leaders. Look what it says in verse 9. And I spoke to you at that time saying, I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he promised you. How can I alone bear your problems, your burdens, and your complaints? Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, this thing which you have told us to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, and made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribes. 
Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, hear the cases between your brethren and judge righteously between a man and his brother or a stranger who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid of any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, bring to me, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things which you should do. So what you find here is that Moses is reminding them that as they grew, he was unable to be the arbiter and the administrator of all that was going on. And you recall um, Moses' father-in-law Jethro said this to him in Exodus chapter 18, being like, bro, you can't, he didn't say bro, probably Sonny, right? Sonny, you can't do it this way. You're wearying yourself and you're wearying the people and 70 leaders were appointed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen, this is an important reality because as things get bigger and more complicated, we need to learn how to trust other people. And really, we don't trust other people. We trust the Lord to use other people. I'll be honest with you. It's one of the biggest struggles I have as a pastor of Crossroads. Crossroads is a big place. There's literally every Sunday thousands of people at Crossroads. And everybody's like, well, you're the pastor. I need to talk to you. It's like, I can't do that. And God doesn't want that to be the case, that it all lands on one person. Why? Because we're a body. And like here at Crossroads, we have the pastors that we have on staff, the leader. Oh, man, people are, they love the Lord. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're knowledgeable men. They're men that I go to for counsel. I ask them, hey, so what would you do in this situation? They talk through it with me. It's great. And I think often, too often, we don't trust anybody to delegate to. But what you realize in these verses is Moses isn't saying, trust the leaders. He's saying, trust who? Trust me. The Lord's saying, the judgment is God's. Trust God to lead your leaders. How many of us are trying to carry burdens way bigger than Jesus has asked you to? Not because you don't trust people. You don't trust God to lead people. I think many of us have skirted that mountain too many times trying to hold everything up. It's funny for me here because I really enjoy letting leaders lead that people are like, well, why don't you know that? I'm like, well, there's way too much stuff going on Crossroads for me to know everything. And I don't want to know everything. It's someone else's job to know that. And God's empowered them and anointed them. Like, well, you should know that. Well, really, maybe not. How much can I really do? Just one little short guy with a big beard. I serve a big God, but I don't want to, you know. For Moses, he was stretched out so much that God needed to appoint leaders. And God likes that kind of stuff. Jesus is real. God has a plan for every single person who trusts in Him for their salvation. Look at it another way. God has a purpose for you. And it's not to carry the entire load Pastor Daniel reminded you today that asking for help and allowing others to step up isn't a bad thing. It's trusting that God is working in other people's lives too and that they can come alongside you in ministry. We are all the hands and feet of Jesus, not just you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. 
Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will remind you that God doesn't actually need our help. In fact, he could fix everything right now if he wanted to. But God chooses to use the men and women he created to do good in a world of evil. And he wants to use you too. He's not waiting for you to get your act together. God already knows who you are. He also knows where you could go. So you might as well follow him. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Refresh. Until then, may God bless.